Welcome, everybody. This is Discovery Ed Podcast. Uh, we are going to have a fantastic uh, presenter today, and that's Jody. Y'all have heard him uh, a few times in the past, and as always, he's a very good speaker, and he's going to be talking about recognizing it tonight. And uh, let's go ahead and give Jody the uh, microphone. Go ahead, Jody. All right, thanks, Paul. Yeah, tonight we're going to talk about a bunch of different ways that we can recognize it. And sometimes this will be recognizing it in ourselves, uh, sometimes recognizing it in other people in uh, different conditions. Um, a lot of times when I started learning about it, I, it kind of is a different way of saying like different personalities or different personality traits. Um, oftentimes I said like, you know, that's just the way I am. And a lot of people attach themselves to their it and who they are. And I don't really like the term personality. Um, it is the, the best way to kind of think about this in a nutshell. And oftentimes a lot of people think these different conditions have to be all negative. Uh, it could be based on some sort of diagnosis of an illness or something like that. Um, but it doesn't always have to be that way. If you think of a new car, um, the condition of the car is a new, is a new condition. So, a lot of these conditions can be positive and negative, and we're going to talk about some different ways to recognize that internal thought and how that plays out in who we think we are. And so on, on this podcast, we talk a lot about the past program conditioning and our internal thought and how these are kind of the main contributors that shape and continue to keep us in that different condition. And environment also plays a big role and sometimes some genetic factors. Uh, we tend to always emulate the people around us. Often when we're little, between the ages, ages before seven, it's going to be typically our parents and our brothers and sisters and things like that. And up until kind of recently, uh, many thought that the genetics was kind of the primary contributor. You know, a lot of people just said, oh, it's just genetics. Um, and if you look up genetics, you'll find that a lot of the genetic traits that we kind of build come from our parents. And... What kind of breaks that thought is if you, like, you look at um, kids that were adopted at a real young age, even though they have no genetic makeup of the people that are raising them, their parents, they'll tend to take on a lot of those different traits and a lot of those different, um, even like physical appearances and things like that. And there's a guy, Bruce Lipton, he talks a lot about epigenetics and how a lot of these genes that we may have that people thought were unchangeable uh, we have ways to kind of control them and turn them on and off and things like that. And he goes into much detail on all that stuff. And so learning about our it and our this internal thought that kind of creates who we think we are, um, it's kind of a, a really deep journey. Uh, it requires a lot of keen detective work, um, picking up on a lot of these traits um, and then recognizing them to be able to understand that I don't have to own those traits if I don't want to. Um, you may have found yourself asking, why do people act like that? And we're going to kind of dive into some of the reasons people act like that. And typically it's because they don't really understand that they're behaving that way or that they can control it. And, you know, many questions like that, like why people act a certain way, are typically usually pretty easy to explain. Um, but if you don't know what to look for and you don't know what 
how to identify them, then you can't really recognize where that's coming from. And when we don't know where that's coming from, we tend to kind of blame that on either our genetics or our environment or, you know, I was just raised that way. A lot of people say that, you know, my parents just raised me to be that way. Um, and once we tend to attach ourselves to those different internal thoughts, we tend to become victims to those different traits and those different conditions, and we just kind of own them. And we'll repeat them over and over, either out loud to people or just in our head on that's, you know, just the way I am. You know, I'm just always an angry person. Or you hear people say that I'm not a morning person, things like that. So there are many, many things that we can look at. We're just going to kind of cover a few of them. And first one that I want to talk about is, if you had brothers and sisters, depending on where you fell, whether you're the oldest or the youngest, can tend to create some of these traits, some of these internal thoughts early on. And if we're the oldest uh, sibling, we'll tend to be kind of more of a caretaker. We're going to see how our parents are taking care of our younger sisters, brothers, and we're going to tend to kind of emulate them and want to help them out. And if we're the youngest person, we're going to always be trying to compete for attention um, from our parents, typically based on our other siblings. And that tends to lead to maybe being more of a risk taker, maybe kind of being a, a rebellious kid, or it could lead to ambitious, um, wanting to feel like you're more inferior, due to the inferiority that you feel from your older sisters and brothers, you'll be more ambitious to try to build yourself up to try to kind of compete with them. And, and then you have people that are like an only child. Typically, the only child used to always getting that attention from their parents, always seeking that attention, and then they're going to kind of learn that and carry that internal thought to when they're older, and they'll tend to want to always look for attention, look for acceptance, things like that. Growing up in school, there's some different things that could happen, uh, depending on the, the kids that you hang out with, uh, if you were bullied, how they treated you, whether you felt like you fit in or not, those are all going to kind of tend to shape this internal thought. And sometimes if, if you felt like you were always left out or kids picked on you, you might start to grow this thought that maybe you're just not good enough. Maybe you can never feel like you fit in or you don't really have the um, attention of your friends and things like that. Another big thing, not really big thing, but another thing that kind of helps shape these, some of these different traits is body types. So I never really recognized a lot of people have some of these traits until I, until I learned about this and then started to look at different people with some of these different body types and how they tend to have some of these internal thoughts and behaviors and mannerisms. And uh, the first body type I want to talk about is like kind of someone who's like really tall and skinny. They're, they're typically going to have more of an emotional um, type of personality, a little more sensitive, maybe more mood swings. Um, we're going to talk, these are all like our internal thought that we kind of develop as we're growing up. So we're going to talk later on on how we can recognize some of these things and be able to um, change them. Uh, the next body type is someone who's short, um, usually kind of the, the stocky guy, big bone, naturally muscular. They're going to typically be energetic. Um, they're going to naturally fit into sports, usually a little more adventurous, um, and they're not going to be quite as sensitive as other people. 
And then the next one is kind of the round and softer type of body type. Typically the bigger people, they're usually more, a lot of people refer to them as like bubbly. They're going to be more happy and more social, fun-loving, um, typically like to go out to eat and things like that. And then these are kind of some extremes of those body types. Typically people will fall in between some of these or they'll emulate some of these traits, and there could be any kind of variation in between. Um, there's a lot of other traits, too, that we'll kind of naturally latch on to. And one of them is like a person who kind of has like a structured type of inner thought. They were kind of raised to be more structured. Uh, maybe they grew up in the military. They had like a very strict rules and things like that. They're going to tend to grow up to be like a little more organized. And since they always have this structure, they're going to feel like they're kind of more superior than other people. I often think that why can't other people be as good as me type of thing. And the next one will be like a technical person. They're going to be a little more analytical. Uh, they always want to know the details. Um, and then you have action-driven people. They're going to be kind of more energetic, more talkative. They're always going to be kind of real competitive. And typically these people get a little, they get bored easily when there's not something always going on. And then you have a relation, relationship-based people. Um, they're always going to be willing to listen. They're always going to be, like, hugging, want to give gifts. And these people are a little more sensitive and tend to get, like, easily offended. So remember as we talk about a lot of these different traits or a lot of these different internal thoughts that we have in ourselves or that we see in other people, um, that these aren't, like, traits that are necessarily set in stone. What really kind of perpetuates this thought that we have is that once we recognize some of these traits, we think, oh, that's who I am. And then you just keep repeating that stuff over and over. And um, so how does, how does some of this internal thought determine, like, like, where does this come from? And some of these things are just natural needs. Um, We've got a part of our brain that uh, develops in the beginning that just wants to survive. They're going to be, like, the basic needs. Um, you know, wanting food, shelter, things like that. Um, some of these other ones uh, typically fall under, like, respect, always looking for respect, uh, acceptance, understanding, a community, a relationship with other people. Those are a lot of, like, kind of basic needs. And then there's other things that will kind of drive us away, like um, wanting to survive tends to lead us to not want to feel pain, uh, not have, have fear against any, anything danger and things like that. And once we kind of recognize a lot of these basic traits that we have, we'll be able to recognize some of these behaviors that we end up um, doing that come from them. And typically the primary drive and the motivation always leads back to something that has some sort of pleasure to it or something that meets um, some of these basic needs. Uh, for instance, like anger and resentment. Those are kind of like negative traits. So they're, they're not really like a primary need. They usually come from one of those other primary needs that are not being met. And a lot of times our it is going to have this anger as a kind of a self-defense mechanism. And, you know, we tend to, you know, just because someone has like a good reason for, uh, these different traits or these conditions doesn't mean that um, they're going to really make the right choices. Uh, so some, some of these needs, like a need for attention, like 
people can get attention in different ways. Uh, you'll notice some kids that aren't getting enough attention in school, they might misbehave just to get the attention of their parents or misbehave to get the attention of um, their teachers or maybe to get acceptance from the other kids that are misbehaving. Uh, some people that have the need for love that isn't being met, uh, they may end up uh, cheating on their partner that's not fulfilling that. And so remember, like, these are not excuses to, like, make for the different behaviors, but they kind of help explain why someone might behave that way or why we might start to think or feel in these uh, different ways. And the key to a lot of these internal thoughts is to kind of become aware of them. And once we become aware of them over and over and over again, and we start to recognize these behaviors based on this internal thought, then we can start to recognize them more often. And they'll be like little red flags. Every time we have this thought or this feeling, as long as we're aware, we'll be able to change our behavior and change the choices we make and find other ways to maybe meet some of those needs or to just uh, get rid of those different thoughts. And we'll cover some of those at the end here also. Um, when we start to look at a lot of these different traits, either in ourselves or in other people, we've got to remember that we're always going to have some part of our brain, some part of that internal thought that's going to give us a perspective on how we see those. Uh, sometimes we might find ourselves in denial. And uh, we did a podcast, uh, Bill did a good speech on denial and talking about how sometimes when we get these different internal thoughts or traits challenged by someone else, our perspective and our it is going to naturally want to kind of oppose that and put us in that um, denial. So when we're looking at these different traits, we want to kind of let go of that perspective or that filter that we're putting on all these things in order to honestly evaluate some of these own things. Uh, one of the big things for me was uh, need for attention. Once I recognized how that played out in my childhood and how I always was seeking like that attention or that need for acceptance from my parents, I was able to recognize how a lot of the different behaviors that I had when interacting with other people, um, interacting with different hobbies, like where that, why I felt like I liked to do those things. Another different thing, there's some other different uh, feelings and stuff that play into how we are shaped uh, when we're younger. Uh, one of them is like not feeling good enough. Uh, maybe we were uh, disciplined by our parents a lot. They always were, uh, being critical on everything we did wrong, and maybe it was friends or something that always made us felt like we weren't good enough. We're going to tend to carry that on into other relationships and behaviors in the future. And a lot of these negative conditions that we have tend to play over and over in our internal thoughts. Another one is abuse. Maybe we went through a phase of humiliation, or maybe we were felt like we were abused as a kid. Um, oftentimes, um, when we're disciplined as a kid, we might not understand. So if we don't really understand why our parents are treating us that way, we may feel like we were being abused and tend to think that that's normal. And a lot of times that will lead to um, finding abusive relationships or staying in an abusive relationship. A lot of these different traits 
uh, that we talk about, and a lot of the negative traits you'll find in a lot of clinical diagnosis. Uh, there's a book, uh, the DSM-5, that talks about a lot of the different traits and how, what they use to kind of put these together. And if you have so many of these traits all lined up, then, then they can clinically diagnose you as uh, having a certain disorder. Uh, but remember, these are all just traits that we have. And I think one of the downside of that is a lot of times once people go into therapy and once they get diagnosed with a certain disorder, then they tend to attach themselves to that. They're going to they're gonna start playing that disorder in their head and in their internal thought. And they're going to own those traits that they were told they had or maybe they recognize in themselves. And once they start to attach that, once they own that disorder and they own that trait, then they kind of become like a victim to that disease. And it's just going to lead to accepting those different traits instead of trying to be uh, proactive and change them. The internal thought is very strong. It like, requires a lot of daily action in order to try to get over some of these traits. And you may have found that in yourself when trying to get over some of these. Most people, when it comes to a lot of these traits and a lot of, these, a lot of the work it takes to change some of those, um, they're, just, they're not really looking to change. Maybe they have a fear of change or their internal thought has convinced them so much that that's just the way they are. And they don't really want to think for themselves. A lot of times when questioned or asked about a lot of these things, they'll just kind of give the I don't know answer. And that's where the, the journey of self-discovery and wanting to learn more about these different traits and stuff kind of play out. A lot of this environment and things we go through tend to put these anchors in our internal thought. And it could be a smell, it could be physical, and it's going to kind of attach this anchor and cause like a trigger. And triggers are very interesting because when that, either that um, whatever situation happens or someone treats you a certain way, it's pretty quick. Um, the biggest one is people that tend to get angry. They'll notice that they'll just get angry very quick. And a lot of times, it'll happen before they even notice. And it's just going to start to play that program. The trigger kind of triggers your internal thought program to just go on. This kind of requires a high amount of awareness to overcome that natural response that our internal thoughts trying to play and try to have a conscious intervention to that uh, trigger that happens. And one of the phrases I hear a lot of people say is they'll be like, well, so-and-so made me angry. It's, it's interesting because once I heard that the first time that somebody can't make you angry, like they can't actually go into your body and control you, um, then I realized that the truth is that I let myself get angry based on that trigger, um, something they did, uh, whether it's a behavior or some sort of response or something that made my internal thought put up that self-defense mechanism and start to play that um, angry internal thought program. And, you know, once I understood that, then I understood that I, ha I had to stop being in denial over maybe my own condition. Once I was able to identify and confront those different triggers, 
then it, it kind of gets rid of that power of other people being able to control you. And the hardest part is being able to recognize that and honestly evaluating those different responses. When dealing with other people, there's a lot of things that will kind of, you'll be able to see whether it's a trigger or something that kind of kicks off that subconscious program. And maybe it's something that you did or something that you said, and you'll be able to see different body languages, different things that they do that kind of give some of these internal thought clues on how they're behaving or how they're reacting to whatever you did or something that's going on. And a few of those are, you know, whether they're making direct eye contact with you, um, different ways that they could smile. Um, some people use different tones of voice or they'll have like a kind of a sarcastic comment, things like that, that they just kind of naturally react to. Sometimes the body has a natural defense a reaction or trigger when they feel like they're being attacked or they're trying to protect themselves. They'll tend to cross their arms or cross their legs. And those are just some things that we can recognize in ourselves when we're in a conversation or if somebody says something to look into, hey, I just reacted this way. My body just reacted this way. I must be feeling defensive for some reason. And then we can start to look at kind of the deeper reasoning behind that and then start to kind of identify these different traits. There's some other different uh, conditions that go along with like fear. Like a lot of people have like a fear of a loss of control. Like they need to be in control of different situations. Uh, maybe they have like a fear of rejection or some sort of um, fear of the loss of security. Like they're always looking to make sure they have enough money, make sure they always have a relationship that's real stable. Uh, other people have a natural fear for criticism and once we can recognize that we have this fear or any of these different fears, then we can tend to kind of get past them. We can start to see that my behavior, I'm being this way because I have this fear of criticism. And then we can get outside our comfort zone and kind of get over those. Um, we, we kind of discussed a lot of the different conditions and there's, there's many more internal thought things out there that are a little bit harder to recognize. And I think that's where this uh, journey of self-discovery is. And being able to identify these different traits, like on a daily basis, like when they come up, always being aware of how we're reacting, why we're responding a certain way, um, listening to the things we say um, out loud or in our head, that, that internal thought. And that's the, the first step that we're, we talk about for a change is being able to identify a lot of these different traits and a lot of these different internal thoughts that we hear ourselves say um, over and over. And the best way to do that is kind of to take an inventory. Like if you think of a grocery store, when they take inventory, they'll write down a list of everything in the grocery store. They'll look at what stuff's selling, what stuff's not selling, what stuff's expired. And they're going to go through that and they're going to be like, well, this is a good seller. This is a good trait or this is a good internal thought. Maybe I want to hold on to that and utilize that more in different affirmations or utilize that more in how I think about myself. Um, one example of that is um, I was always, my dad always said, you know, you can do anything you put your mind to. And so that, that's one of those like positive traits that I can identify and that I can kind of utilize to focus on instead of some of the negative traits. 
um, but listing all these different traits that we kind of see in ourselves, um, putting them down, kind of seeing how they affect us, uh, different behaviors that are happen because of these internal thoughts. And just remember that our internal thought is going to do everything it can to hold you to that trait and personality that you think you are. Uh, we did a podcast a while back, You Are Not Who You Think You Are. And we go into more detail on why we think that way and why we don't have to be the person we think we are. And that internal thought is going to tend to cause denial and uh, different negative things in order to block us from changing that internal thought that it thinks we are. Remember that a lot of these traits and a lot of these internal thoughts are really ingrained in our mind. Like a lot of these, Paul talks about, you know, how old you are. And he's like, for so many years before you recognized it, before you'll be able to identify the internal thought that we've been playing over and over, you can go easily go back through your life and realize that I've been doing this my whole life. So a lot of the, a lot of these traits aren't going to just end in overnight. So they require a lot of work. So once we identify these traits, then we have to be able to confront them. So we might have, we might understand that we have a, a fear of criticism. So we don't like speaking in front of people or things like that. And if we own that trait and we just, say that's who I am and we don't confront the fact that we want to change those, then we're just going to keep holding on to those. That's the second step is being able to confront these things that we want to change. And then the last step is being proactive, being able to, you know, make, make some goals on how we can change these. Maybe they'll go in small increments, small steps, being able to have a plan forward in order to get over these uh, things we're trying to uh, get over. And one of the big things that goes along with that is having somebody to hold you accountable. If you're your own life coach, um, you're probably going to give in and you're probably going to change your mind. So um, it's always better to have a outside perspective that when you're thinking rationally and you're thinking about changing these and you're being proactive, you're confronting these different traits and what you want to do in your plan forward to hold you accountable to those so you follow through on what you say you're going to do. And that'll help with a lot of the different uh, things like denial and things that kind of block us from uh, moving forward and uh, getting over these it. So there's a list of a lot of the different things that we can do to help recognize our it and ways that we can kind of change them. Thanks, Paul. Thank you very much, Joey. As always, uh, very, very good presentation there. Um, I'd like to thank you very much again because that was a good presentation on recognize, recognizing it. Carlson. Yes. What is one main accomplishment that you've discovered since you uh, started your journey of self-discovery in it in the past couple of months? So my main accomplishment that really stands out the most to me is that I'm able to recognize that, yes, my eternal thought or it does have power 
but I have a lot more power over myself and over it. And ever since I discovered that, like, power inside myself, I'm, I was able to conquer it and not have it control me or my thoughts or my actions or the way that I react to things anymore. Well, thank you very much. Just give the audience a little bit of background on Carlson. He's been with us for about uh, two months now, and uh, he's doing very fantastic so far. We appreciate your uh, input there, Carlson, all right? Thank you. You're welcome, buddy. Uh, Bill, same question to you. What is one main accomplishment that you've discovered since you uh, started your journey of self-discovery in it? Huh. Well, I want to thank Jody first. Uh, hey, Jody, that entire lecture um, spoke to me. Um, it was exactly, <laughs> I should say, he described me to a T through the entire lecture. <laughs> well, that was excellent. Um, for me, it's just uh, uh, I'm, I know me. Uh, I'm far more confident since... Uh, understanding what it is and what it can do to you. Um, for years, it kept me down as far as uh, uh, self-worth and confidence and knowing, knowing that I can, I can accomplish anything that I put my mind to, you know, because, uh, you know, my background is, you know, just uh, growing up in a, in a house that uh, was more, you know, you're not going to amount to anything. And then there was divorce there with my mother and father and my father rarely being around and just doing his own thing. So a lot of it, uh, you know, you had to discover on your own. And then, you know, um, my relationships were, you know, they were based on betrayal when both, both relationships went south over betrayal and not not for me I was pretty committed but uh, I look at um, the makeup of those and I see that um, I was forming an identity based off of them versus an identity of who I really am I'm someone who wants you know I'm a dreamer I want to I want I do want to accomplish things in my life um, but I was accomplishing more of the dreams of others than I was of myself. And, uh, you know, it's really very refreshing to know um, who you are and know that, you know, if it does try to come around and knock you down and want you to fail in things, it's, hey, you know what? You are going to fail in this life, you know, because as uh, many of you have heard, whether through the podcasts or um, other life coaches, other than Paul, he'll tell you though too that you know life is hard. You have to you have to really take a good look at yourself, and then you know the sky's the limit as long as you start to learn about all your internal thoughts and what your triggers are. Um, I have many triggers. I have ones where uh, you know it would be um, silence uh, or if someone said, oh, they're disappointed, or I'm disappointed in you, you know, man, I could go down a rabbit hole that fast. Now it's, 
more, well, you know, take an overall bird's eye view of what the situation is. Uh, there's really no disappointment. It's just uh, it's your it battling what my it would be, or uh, you know, you have you have some unfinished business or past program conditioning that you have to deal with. Uh, so I know, really, in a nutshell, what I've really discovered throughout this entire journey so far is uh, uh, a better sense of knowing who I am. Thank you very much, Bill. Really appreciate your input there also. Uh, this is uh, Bill's anniversary of uh, two years. So, uh, Congratulations, Bill. Congratulations, Bill. Happy anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Bill and I was talking today, and uh, he uh, reminded me, he says, you know, today's my anniversary, right, Paul? I said, that's right. I'm glad that you're recognizing uh, as time goes by, you know, these anniversaries. So really appreciate your uh, input and everything, and congratulations on that uh, two-year uh, uh, mark there, Bill. Hey, Debbie, let's uh, give you the same question. Same question. What is one of the main accomplishments that you've discovered since you started your journey of self-discovery in it? I think the main thing that I have found for myself in the past, you know, like Bill, I've had a lot of dreams and I've always felt like I was destined for something very great. Um, And I would get all excited about different things that I wanted to do, but I always seemed to get stopped. And I never understood why until um, I started on this program. Once I saw that... um, I was actually stopping myself from from um, completing, you know, the dreams that I have because I I found that I just um, I stopped myself. I I let myself talk myself out of a lot of things. Um, I really, Jody, when you were talking about firstborn and and how they're caretakers. I started looking at that, and I was like, yep, I've, I'm firstborn, and I've always been the one that's taking care of all the little kids. And, um, and I can see how that's really related in my life um, because I tend to want to take care of everybody else, and I leave myself out of that process. Um, and since I've been in this program, I've learned that I am worth a lot and I deserve a lot. And I think being able to now recognize that for myself has been the biggest um, point for me. It's helped me to um, recognize and identify and be able to take have a choice, you know, decide what I want to do. Do I want to keep being a victim or stopping myself or believing I'm not good enough for, you know, whatever I, or thinking that I can't accomplish something. You know, um, I know now that um, that if I just dream and, and keep working at it, um, and when those thoughts come up, like you said, um, Jody, I get to choose 
is this going to stop me or am I going to keep going? And I vote keep going. Thank you very much, uh, Debbie. You're welcome. We've really had a, a lot of good input today. Thank you, Carlson, Bill, Debbie, and uh, Jody. We want to really thank you for a good uh, presentation and uh, speech today. You uh, outdone yourself today. Thank you, Jody. So, uh, Thanks, Paul. You're welcome. Let's get back together next Thursday night at 7.30. We'll call 515-604-9530, access code 655-145. Thank you, everybody, for being on, and we'll see you next week, next Thursday. Thank you now.